1: What's going on everybody? RJ Joey here from SB Nations, blog the Boys.com. Hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy and that you're excited because the 2022 NFL draft is officially happening this week. We are very excited here at Blog the Boys. We have tons of 2022 NFL draft coverage coming your way here on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel where we are live right now. It is is five o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. We're live every single Tuesday for our BTB roundtables. You can of course watch it after the fact on our channel or listen to it on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. And now, you can watch it on our Twitch channel. So, what is up to Twitch? We hope you're well. We're sorry that we are late arrivals here, but we will be on Twitch on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday throughout our draft coverage as well. We'll also be on the Book of Faces because who isn't on uh, on the Book of Faces these days? Joining me tonight for our roundtable is, of course, Tony Catalina in the top right corner. You see him at blogandtheboys.com. You hear him on the Blog on the Boys podcast network on Mondays on 1st and 10. Down the bottom left quadrant, the uh, southwest corner of our Uh, our particular frame, is Danny Phantom on Twitter, Danny Phantom24. You hear him on Fridays on the Star Seminar. You can hear him this week on our special post-draft coverage on our podcast. Nurk. Danny's going to be leading that charge. You can, of course, see him at blogandtheboys.com and with us for the first time on a round table, but not a stranger to the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel or Blog and the boys universe. Uh, the author of Connor Livesy's 2022 NFL Draft Guide. Uh, perhaps that is a bit of a giveaway, Connor Livesy himself on Twitter at Connor NFL Draft, where you can get his incredible 2022. 2022- to NFL draft guide. In fact, I think Connor, you're in a giving spirit. We might call you Connor Claus here tonight. I think you're going to give some away. Is that true?
2: That is true. I think what do we say? We'll, we'll do five and then see how that works out.
1: How do you want to do it? It's your thing. Do you want to give them away to people who comment, people who, uh, you know, what, know. What's... I'm
2: the new one here. So don't put me in charge. I don't even know how, how people comment.
1: Let's do this. Um, anybody who comments, connor draft that's it and and connor spelled C O N. just actually just connor just the word connor c-o-n-n-o-r um we'll uh we'll take those people uh as entrants and we'll announce them on tuesday night how's that sound connor we'll comb through them and then we'll tweet them after the fact sure okay cool so anybody who uh who has um you know uh, a chance or you want to uh let us know and uh you know Comment along. And that is your official entry. Dan, you are not eligible to win one of Connor's draft guides. He was kind <laughs> enough to give them to us anyway uh, over at com. But how are you feeling?
3: It's draft week. Uh, you know what? I'm super excited. Um, I kind of feel like, you know, Buddy the Elf when he uh, finds out that, uh, you know, the, the Santa, the mall Santa has arrived. Uh, mm. Hopefully, I won't be uh, as disappointed as he turned out to be. But, that uh, uh,
1: that reference is lost on me. I, I've never seen the movie Elf. I think it's dumb. You don't see
3: any movies that I reference. You didn't. See I know,
1: World but House like, past- if it's going to be a popular Christmas movie, it either has to be about Santa Claus or about some sort of like incredible love affair. Like something about an Elf has nothing to do with either of those things. So, and you know, again, like I've seen enough Will Ferrell movies. Like you've seen, you've seen one. You've seen them all. You know what I mean? All
3: right. Well, I'm excited, RJ. I'll just, I'll just leave it. Let that then.
1: Uh, Tony Catalina, what cap are you wearing? Is it Liverpool?
4: no it's uh, um bad birdies a golf company
1: (laughs) of course it is i saw you on the links uh this past weekend uh bad birdies one of these hipster golf companies for for the up-and-comer golfer the the young man's game uh connor i know you are one to uh to play a couple of nines um are you a bad birdie enthusiast yourself
2: i've never heard of the brand before Mm. i'm not not very good at golf so probably a good golf brand stay away from me
1: uh, tough scene for bad birdies here on uh, yeah. on the roundtable. so um, okay, well welcome aboard uh, one and all for our Tuesday night roundtable the Dallas Cowboys held their annual pre-draft press conference today on Tuesday and so we have some takeaways. Um, I'm going to start and I don't usually do this. I don't like to make the show about me. it's never the thing I want to do around here but uh, but I'm curious and anyone who wants to respond, Go right ahead. This is an open floor, open forum, kind of a town hall meeting here as we get ready for the draft. Tony, is that a, a vanilla Coke? Is that what that is?
4: That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Look at exactly. my
1: ability. That's a superpower, people, to, to just tell what sort of a uh, soft drink it is uh, based off of the bottle. But anyway. Um, what is this, RJ? That is a, um, that's a root beer of sorts, in uh, a glass bottle.
2: It's a Coke Zero. Is, is it a glass bottle? No, it is, it's in a glass uh, cup.
1: Well, that's different. That's cheating. Um, I can't. I can't yeah. spot that. I mean, that's not what my trained eye is for. Um, I can do it. Whatever. Um, okay. So um, the kind of. I think this was the least interesting pre-draft press conference that the Cowboys have had in recent memory. Um, I'm curious if anybody agrees or disagrees with that. And the kind of takeaway moment was Jerry Jones's joke. Uh, the Cowboys were kind of getting ready to start talking about what they were going to do. And Jerry was talking about his involvement in things. And he joked and said that uh, Stephen Jones was responsible for the Taco Charlton pick and that he was responsible for the Micah Parsons pick. Now, this was clearly a joke. I think people saw tweets and took it seriously and literally. Um, and I, I realized, I'm dying on this hill perhaps all by myself I think it's kind of classless of Jerry Jones to you know take shots at Taco and, and kick Taco Charlton when he's down Taco hasn't exactly had a great NFL career but the Cowboys are the team that spent a first round pick on him five years ago am I overreacting am I just old now is that what's happened to me in my life and fatherhood yeah you're old that was funny yeah <laughs> it was funny. I'm not like in a vacuum. It was funny, but I think like to, to act as if they're, you know, above taco. I mean, they're the team that like went to bat for him. So like, let's not act like they all of a sudden think he's trash. I mean, that's what I think it was kind of, I don't think the general manager of a team and I realized the structure of the Cowboys, but I don't think that that person should be out here saying that, you know, two days ahead of the draft. I think that's kind of a bad look personally.
4: I think it's on brand. I think, um you know, I think Jerry was, being self-aware but at the same time he wasn't going to take that himself so he threw steven under the bus and backed it up but i don't know i thought it was funny and if taco's feelings i hurt i guess you know I, I got a good laugh at taco's expense
1: uh dan do you agree with me or am i am i are you guys on the lawn and i'm screaming to get off is that what's re- happening here
3: i really try to not agree with you if i can um no i don't it's, it, yeah just like tony said it's it's just jerry being wow. jerry I, I don't i don't think anything of it and uh I mean, he's, you know, Taco, it's just Taco was a bad pick. And, uh, you know, I, I think Jerry went on to, to later say when he's being more serious that we're all, we all do this collectively, even though it seemed like he was really trying to, to give himself some credit for uh, being a part of that. But uh, as far as that statement, that's that's just normal Jerry stuff.
1: Wow, you guys are all heartless. I mean, heartless people. None of you should ever be allowed to watch a Pixar movie again, because those are, are above your morals. Uh, Connor, I saw you nod when I said this was one of the more least interesting pre-draft press conferences from the Cowboys. This is notoriously, and Dan, I'm excited to get your thoughts on this in a second, kind of the the, the largest opportunity we have maybe all year, except for the pre-training camp press conference, uh, to kind of understand and discern what the Cowboys are thinking. Um, they, they do tend to kind of show their cards in the proper way here. Did you feel that way? Or was this kind of just
2: boring? I, thought it was, I mean, anytime the first 15 minutes are going to be spent on Kelvin Joseph and can you give, you know, the media asking, can you please give us uh, an update on the situation? And you get the same, we're, we're monitoring it and it's being investigated by the league. That's all we know. I just, I knew at that point that it was going to be a rough one. And I get why they have to ask that, but the draft is in literally 30 hours, like, can we just talk about and ask it in a way? Hours. That if it,
1: Connor, do you understand the way
2: time works? Well, for what is it? Forty-eight hours. Sorry. There we go. <laughs> okay. But either way, by the time this comes out, it might be thirty hours. Who knows? This is uh, live, live. Well, if you're listening to it in podcast, form, if you're
1: listening to this, eighteen hours after right. five o'clock. Yeah, yes, Connor's right.
2: Right. It, there's there there's a gold lining there, but I mean, for me, it was just like Jane. I think Jane asked it. In a way that it should have been asked off the jump, like, "Hey, does the Kelvin Joseph situation affect the way that you're going to view corner in this upcoming draft?" And it took 18 minutes for that question to get asked, unfortunately. Um, but when it started off like that, I just knew it was going to be a a rough one. Um, and I do, I do kind of, I mean, we, I, we kill Stephen Jones a lot, but I do like the way that he talked in the press conference because I think that. He said a lot of the things that I think you wanted to hear like, hey, we want to draft the best player available for the most part, unless those players are closely graded and we have a big position of need at, let's just say, left guard, which I think is the right way to do it. Like, if you have a guy with a 9.3 grade and you have a guy with a 9.28 grade, and one of them's a left guard and one of them's a safety, well, then we're going to take the left guard because they're very closely graded. And that position of need at left guard is much greater than the position of need at safety. So I think it's good to kind of hear him say things like that because we've seen them maybe take a chance on guys that they shouldn't have, as we talked about with tacos and stuff like that, because it was just a position of need. But yeah. I did like a lot of what was said, even though some of it was boring and kind of not exciting.
1: Dan, you were maybe a little bit more excited than the rest of us for this because, again, this does provide an opportunity to sort of see, you know, within the walls of the star in Frisco. Did, were you satisfied or were you left kind of hanging?
3: Well, I think I kind of built myself up too much, built this up too much in my mind because, you know, this is the, the one presser that I look forward to every year because they, you know, they don't tell us everything, but they, you know, they'll give us little hints. And if you can translate Jerry speak, you know, there's some information in this presser. Uh, this one. There wasn't, and I, I'm trying to figure out if it's, if it's if it's something they've done or if it's the fact that we're just really kind of have our minds wrapped around what's going to happen anyway, to where there's really nothing new being revealed. Um, I thought that they they'd said a lot of important things, but it was just stuff kind of that we already knew. And I will say that I want to give them credit because typically they will leak things. They will let. Let things out, and I don't think I think they did a very good job of kind of just keeping themselves quiet. And you know, they they wouldn't talk about any particular players. Of course, that's that's normal. But they just I I think I don't want to say that they maybe Jerry's grown up a little bit in that sense. But he he offered us very little as far as you know tea leaves to you know be able to read.
1: So- Tony, um, I don't think it's an exaggeration or hyperbolic to say that we are about to. We're about to hit the most important three days of the offseason for the Dallas Cowboys. In fact, you can make an argument these are about to be the most important three days for this team in the last, you know, five years. These are maybe the most important three days in Mike McCarthy's career, or the or at least as the future of his career sort of is, is related to. Um, did you get the sense that that they feel that pressure? Did you get the sense that they're just kind of um unaware of it, oblivious to it, or are they are they the duck, you know, kind of pedaling under the the water that we can't see with everything super cool up top?
4: You know, the way they the way they handle business and the way they talk to the media, they've kind of put this bull, bullseye in their back because the way they operate in free agency and not being really involved in anybody in the early rounds or even the second or third round this year, like, you know, the draft is what they come to th- say that they make their bread and butter. So, yeah, I think... They would agree wholeheartedly that what they do in the next three days really does mold the future of this team. And you can say that every year. And I think every team can really say that. But this is a team that really, you know, depends on Will McClay and the and that co- and that uh you know scouting staff that, you know, put together these draft boards. So yeah, I mean, I think this will go a long way because we haven't really seen them add anybody and this will be the you know, whether it's nine picks, eleven picks, or whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, they got a lot to do this week and it's important for this team.
1: Connor Peter Hunt says um, if we have a bad draft, we're screwed. Um, so sort of, you know, the obvious here. Um, but really uh, yeah. But but that that is true for any NFL team, right? But but to Tony's point and to kind of all of our points over this offseason, they have kind of magnified that pressure right Stephen Jones said today they have about 14 to 16 first round grades on players some simple math will tell you the Cowboys picked 24th overall so they're by their own estimations likely not going to get a player with a true first round grade that you know isn't necessarily like the worst thing in the world but if this is your year where you're going to only rely on this particular pathway of incoming and an influx of talent this maybe was not the proper bed to make to lion you know what I mean
2: yeah and I mean I know a lot of people were freaking out about that comment and like telling like that was one thing that I saw people freaking out about. It was like, what do you mean there's only 14 to 16 grades? So, you know, like, like that was their fault. And it's like, no, we kind of knew this going in. that It was a weaker draft. Up How many top. do you have
1: in your, again, the 2022 Connor lives, the NFL draft guide?
2: 20, wow, you're
1: way too generous, dude. You belong in the movie yeah. elf,
2: but
3: go ahead. First round grades. That, you have that many? Yeah. Wow.
2: Yep, none of them are quarterback. I mean, again, like I like I like the interior offense both interior offensive linemen, Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson, uh both have first round grades. Um I like, I mean, there's there's a ton of edge rushers who I have first round grades on. Uh the tackles. I mean it it receivers, tackles, a couple corners. So it's it was really just three position groups that really made it up. Um, for me and then the interior offensive lineman so offensive line and then edge and then the corners and receivers are really it so those three or four positions um, no running backs no tight ends no quarterbacks no safeties I don't think I had a safety yeah Hamilton um, outside of Hamilton Um, so just a just an interesting kind of class that's really it's really loaded like we've talked about it defensive end it's loaded it offensive line, interior, and tackle up front. Um, And then there's top-end corners that they fall off after the top tier, but there's three or four or five guys that kind of – in that first-round range. Um, But like I said, I mean, you'll have a couple quarterbacks go who aren't going to be first-round graded players on a lot of teams' board. Um, You might have a running back sneak into the back end in the first round, at a Buffalo or something like that, that people won't have graded in the top, you know, first round. And then you'll have players – it, you know, Trevor Pennings and guys like that who won't be first-round graded players on everybody's board who will get drafted. So while they only have 14 to 16 first-round grades, if you have 16 first-round grades, you're picking at 24. Let's just say two quarterbacks go before you, although well, that pushes it to, you know, you're at 18 with first-round grades still available. Some of those linebackers could go. Um, some of the bad tackles could go, so you, you're, you're, there's still a chance that you could be at 24 and still have a first-round graded player there. Um, so which is even why if they we stick.
1: even if we're generous with the math of it all, Dan, and, and we push, call the 23rd, 24th, again in a general sense, you know, uh, consensus ranked players down to the Cowboys. And and the bed has been made. We're we're all lying in it. I mean, there there's no getting out of this situation. We can't undo the the inactivity of free agency. But the Cowboys did kind of touch on that. Sort of defended their philosophy. They they talked about Randy Gregory a little bit, and, and Jerry Jones insists that the the Cowboys are far better off having having two. Two is better than one. Uh, that's a great boys like girls song. In case anybody's unaware. Uh, but um, but I mean like we've reached this point and so maybe it is just a matter of like now we're here and so it's more frustrating in that sense but um do, do you feel like the the totality of the offseason to this point dan again with such an important sequence of days lurking um has been the right course of action for this team
3: yeah i mean i'm i'm i have no issues with it and i think there's one thing that they they mentioned that was important because they talk about you know they has they're being asked and named off all the players that they've lost but they defended themselves by reminding them that we got some year two players that are going to develop. And so these are going to be net gains for the Cowboys. So they don't, I mean, while their draft capital isn't fantastic, you know, in years past, they don't have to solve all the problems in this draft. This draft, if, if, if they, if they mess up this draft, they're not screwed. They may be screwed in 2024, but there are other things that, that are going on that they're to influence this. So I'm not, I'm not worried at all I think uh, I think they got the right approach I like building through the draft uh, and I think that they one thing that's made me feel really good as far as this two for one thing and the one biggest takeaway I got from this presser is the Cowboys are not going to be surrendering picks I don't think like if Connor mentioned like maybe if one of those guys one of their first round grades makes it they take them but I, I do I cannot see any scenario where they're surrendering their draft capital I think they may try to gain extra. They love a lot of players. They talked about the rounds three through five. So, I, I mean, the Cowboys have a plan. Um, it doesn't have to be solve the world's problems type of things in, in, in this draft, but I
2: think they got a real good feel for this.
1: See, Tony uh, O'Connor, go ahead.
2: Well, I was going to say, I actually, not saying I disagree, but I actually think. No, disagree.
1: That, Fight. We want blood.
2: I think that the way they talk today, that they are interested in trading up.
1: And to be clear, because there was some um, confusion with Jerry's verbiage a few weeks ago, Dan, I know you wrote about this. Connor, you mean trade higher in the draft, trade closer to the first overall pick, just to be very clear.
2: Right. Trading, yeah. Trading up towards, you know, one. Um, Right.
1: And so, what explain why you feel that way, what they said today? Because
2: in that same vein where they're talking about only having, you know, 14 to 16 first-round grades, they. They were asked, I think right before that was a question before that, where they asked Jerry to kind of reiterate what he said the other week where he was talking about trading up. And he kind of, you know, walked around and was like, look, you know, I wasn't saying we're definitely doing it, but I was asked if it would be a consideration, and it would be. Um, and I, I, you know, I think that where you look at the players they brought in on their visit list with guys like Charles Cross, with guys like Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, like the guys they brought in – on their visit list, I don't think are going to be there at 24. I don't think other than Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green, but like some of those tackles and those receivers, I think the receivers other than Traylon Burks could all be probably gone. So I wonder if they brought those guys in to feel like, okay, if one of those guys is there at 20, do we feel good enough about them to move up? You know, just so looking at the visit list and then hearing them kind of talk over the last couple of weeks, I kind of came away with, man, maybe they are more interested in moving up for one of those last first round grades especially if it's going to cost less this year than it normally does, rather than sitting and settling. I mean, I, that's just, like I said, it, I don't think it's a bad idea or a good idea or anything like that. I'm kind of indifferent about it, but I do think it's something that they've kind of talked about more so this year than previous ones. They're open to it. Right? So let's say, let's say the move is
1: 20. Let's, let's live in that world. Say it's Pittsburgh at 20. Dallas wants to move up. They're prepared to give up 88 overall. Who's worth that? Who who are you okay with it? I mean, because we're, people are going to hear from from all of us on uh, uh, throughout throughout the entire weekend. You'll hear from Danny Phantom and Connor Livesey and Tony Kelly, and they'll be here throughout all our draft coverage. Our live shows will be live throughout the entire draft. Uh, Dan, you're saying Charles Cross? That's who it's and, worth and he, for you, and
3: he won't make it. And I don't. I mean, I don't even know why. I don't. I don't really entertain. Well, these are your know. words.
1: You're arguing with well, yourself, man. saying now.
3: who's worth anybody else? I'm waiting. I mean, I'm waiting for a Lave. I'm waiting for one of the guards. I'm not trading up for.
2: Any of the it have to it has to be a blue well, chipper. I again, think. we're. I, I don't want to talk out of turn. I know Tony, you're probably waiting to chime <laughs> in, but um, I mean, again, like we got we do got to preface it by saying like, our opinion doesn't matter in this. You know, like for sure. for us, if it oh well, it does, got, like we we run the whole right, world just to right. be fair. But but like if they got Zion Johnson as a first round grade and Kenyon Green's a mid second round grade, and they're like, oh crap, Arizona could take Zion Johnson at twenty three right in front of us let's move up a 20, give up 88 or 129 to secure that guy. Like that could be a situation where I think they're, if it's, you know, if the right receivers go and then it's Traylon Burks is the last first round grade and their next guy isn't, you know, until a mid second, that's where I think they could get aggressive. It's if it's that, like we want to get our guy at that position of need, whether it's wide receiver or left guard, um, which I think is kind of what they were kind of mentioning today is it's like, Hey, we only got 16 first round grades. If we get to a spot where, or four or five picks away and, you know, we feel like we need to go up and get our guy. We're going to be aggressive in doing it. Tony, um, to,
1: to that point and, and to Connor's point about like our our thoughts, our opinions, different analysis don't matter. Ultimately, it's all about the way they feel, who are their top 14, 16 players in that sense. So if yeah, if again being super literal here if their 16th player is hovering there has fallen to 20 because the quarterbacks have pushed him etc cetera, etc cetera, do you fault them it, it, you know if if friday or thursday night when they're doing their their post round post first round press conference and they're saying hey look this was our guy he was falling we we told you on tuesday we had so many first round grades this was one and and we can all sit here and we can say like they're not going to trade up because they're not a player away because that's our estimation of the team in its current construction again to connor's point it's not how we feel but if they pull the trigger because they feel that way can you fault them for it.
4: I can't and I, I you know I think Connor kind of hit it on the head of what I was thinking I don't see them being super aggressive but if they're sitting there and somebody they value is at 20 and they can move three four spots up to get them at 20 or 21 I, I'd be willing to make that move if it's somebody that they value if they invested they in maybe a guy they brought in in the top 30 visit I wouldn't fault them for doing that I mean what are you gonna do like um, if you like Connor said if you got 16 first-round grades and, and that guy is as close as you ever thought he was going to be. You didn't really think you'd get to that point. I, I, we're, we've been asking them to be aggressive, so to speak. And I think that'd be an aggressive move to get a guy that they want.
1: Yeah. And I think we could sit here and be proud of that. It's a weird way to put it, I realize. Uh, two things yep. before we get back to, to the subject matter. Moinka says, Mark with the go green. Moinka, uh, that's Dan. Uh, Dan, is that a, an environmental sign that you have, the go green? Or is that like a, a team that you support?
2: Uh, that's yeah, the, who the, the Cowboys eagles. are going
1: to select in the first yeah. oh so this is kenyan green okay all it's right my prediction i thought
2: it, I thought it was an eagles sign.
1: well so and Moinka oh. notes that i'm wearing an eagles shirt i am this is but this is um the band the eagles um incidentally my dad got me this shirt he saw them at at and t stadium of all places um so um you yeah. know it is what it is. Uh, But the other thing, um, Mitchell says, RJ, are you live streaming? We will be live streaming the entire draft. We are going to be here on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel, the Blog of the Boys Facebook page, the Blog of the Boys Twitch channel. Like I said, you'll see Blog of the Boys personalities throughout the entire thing. We'll have lots of content available for you on the site as well. Connor, we are going to chain to his chair in his home so that he can tell us about all these draft prospects. We'll be reading off of, uh, I don't mean it that way, Connor, relax. Um, And uh, we'll be reading uh, uh, from his draft guide, of course, uh, through. Throughout the entire weekend and telling you uh, how to get smarter and understand who the Cowboys are drafting Um, so uh, Connor uh, on the subject of kind of deciphering between players Dan has a sign in the name of Kenyon green uh, who I support from an alma mater perspective but Johnny boy RN says I am on board that Zion is the better choice but I'm not sure that I trade away capital away when Kenyon is still available at that point I would trade back and gain a pick your thoughts if you know if they're both on the board it's 24 overall Say you do prefer, I think you prefer Kenyon Green, um, if I recall correctly, Connor. Uh, Good man. Uh, But would you trade back and risk losing Kenyon in the name of acquiring future capital? We have done that before, by the way, in our mock drafts. Connor, I've been doing mock drafts every Monday here on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel. We did that, I believe, a few weeks ago and traded back to 29 with Kansas City. And that worked out pretty well. And that was the draft we took Zion.
2: Yeah, I mean, you just got to you got to be careful because if Zion goes at 23 and then you move back to 29 and then Tampa Bay takes Kenyon green at 27, I think they're at, then they need guard help. They, they lost interior offensive linemen this year in free agency. So they need guard help. If, if they steal your top two graded guards, which I don't think is the absolute end of the world. If you still have some receiver options still there that you'd be happy with. But again, if you're, you know, honing in a little bit on left guard and then you trade back and lose both of them. Um, I just think that's a risky thing. I think if you're going to trade back, both of them need to be there and you're moving back kind of like the Mark, Micah Parsons deal uh, last year where it's like, yeah, hey, we're Micah gonna back and Rashawn Slater. right. We're going to move back three spots. And one of these guys is still going to be there because we know somebody's coming up for a receiver or whatever position it might be. And we know we're still going to get a guy that has pretty much the same grade at positions that we need at 28 or 29 or whatever it is dan in that
1: sense who else do you want hanging out on the board if it's if cowboys are on the clock it's 24 overall the dream scenario is both guards are left Traylon burks is left and chris Olave is left i think and and george carl is left i think if i if i'm crafting a fever dream that's the scenario that i am very very comfortable moving back um is your nirvana a little bit different than mine
3: um well I think you know, and you know, Stephen mentioned too that it's, it's going to take about like you know a handful of guys to be available for them to do that, for them to consider that. Uh, are you asking me which players that I would be okay want to see on the board to to, to move back? The from? question
1: is who has to be there? What what collection? What th- you know? What combination of three four players have to be there for you to feel supremely comfortable moving back?
3: Uh, I mean, there. I would be okay with taking um. Uh, abacadia late in the first uh i would be okay with ta- it actually i'm starting to kind of think maybe that dotson wouldn't be terrible late in the first
1: connor made uh, a big push we got him in the second round actually connor we traded up right yesterday on monday yeah traded up for dotson. if
3: i'm getting extra draft capital i'm gonna be far less pressured to to like really hit a home run with that late first rounder so i'm I mean, there's a, there's a good list of, of players that the, the players that I'm thinking like early second round that I'm okay with, uh, with waiting for if, you know, if that player is not available, I I'm probably going to make the pick. And if, um, if I'm the Cowboys, I, I'm a, I'm a Zion person. I just think that Zion's going, especially after, you know, he listened to Connor last week, you know, I don't think he gets past Arizona. So I'm, I'm, I've talked myself into being okay with, with Kenan green. He's a player that we need, uh, but yeah, I, uh, there's a lot of players. And, and I think the Cal- I, I honestly can see that happening if, if, that, if their guy is not there.
1: Um, I want to ask each of, the, of you this, and I'm starting with you, Tony. Um, it's, it's kind of hard, I think, to come up with a scenario where the Cowboys botch this, where they completely blow this. I, I really think that the floor is high. Um, as far as potential success for at least 24 overall, or at least what, what they do in the first round, I guess, if you want to widen the parameters. But but what is your, like, holy crap, please don't do that pick? Because th- those have existed, <laughs> right? Like, in, in 2016, it was Joey Bosa, right? Like, and that aged very poorly. But, like, if we speak among the collective, you know, pulse of Cowboys Twitter, Cowboys Nation, everybody hated Joey Bosa in 2016. Uh, in 2017, it was... Taco Charlton. Um, so that didn't exactly work out. Uh, in 2018, there was some disagreement, but it was kind of Leighton Vanders for a lot of people. And in 2019, it was Tristan Hill, especially if they were going to pass on Taylor Rapp and Juan Thornhill. Uh, but in 2020, it was Caleb Von chase and they managed to avoid that and draft CeeDee Lamb in 2021. Um, you know, for some people it was Micah Parsons in that age that is poorly in a very good way. Uh, but so who is your like, please for the love of God, do not let this be the pick in the first round on Thursday night.
4: I literally only have one name. in. That's the, you know, that's the
1: question, so it's a good thing. Perfect, because
4: it's the only name that popped in my head. Um, I would do not want them to take Trevor Penning. I don't know if he'll be there. I don't know. He may go early and that may make me feel better about it. But if he sit in there and they flirtation, this flirtation with that pick, I do not want that. I would almost rather any other pick than that position. I, I don't think they'll take it because he's being a he's a small school guy. Um, I, that's not even really the M.O., you know, so I, for me, Trevor Penning is the only name I could think of that I really wouldn't be on board with.
1: Uh Connor, the rules here on the round table is we can't repeat answers, so Trevor Penning is not an eligible one for you. Uh that being said, who was the one um my favorite meme that you tweet is the SpongeBob falling one. Um <laughs> <laughs> so um who who um who 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 calls that into action for you?
2: I think the only one that would be worse than Trevor Penning for me would be Tyler Smith, the Tulsa oh, man. tackle guard. That okay. would I'd fall from the top of my roof. Flat
1: on my face. <laughs> well, we would be live, so that would be unfortunate. Um, all right, Dan, um, I know it's tough uh, since two choices are off the board. I'm not going to participate in this question because um, now, it's, now it's really difficult, but it's up to you, Dan.
3: Yeah, Tyler Smith would have been my answer. I, I actually have no issues with I would I would be okay with, with Trevor Penning. I, I like Trevor Penning. Um, but so I'm going to go with Daxton Hill, I guess, would be my, uh, I wish they wouldn't have done that pick. Um,
1: Okay, but so okay, then, then Dan, the question for you, since it was a tougher spot to be in, that this third spot, do you agree that, that the floor is somewhat high, that it's it's kind of difficult to oh yeah. to, to, to see a fork in the road where they really are going to choose the wrong well, thing?
3: Well, I don't want to jinx it, but yeah, I I think so. I'd be, I, I, I have a tough time seeing seeing how they can screw this up.
2: It, can Can I say something real quick too about this whole thing? Is I feel like so many people, and again, I feel like I'm sticking up for like. Steven and Jerry right now, which is not something I normally do. But so many people point to that 2017 draft and be like, oh, you forgot that they took Taco over T.J. Watt. And it's like T.J. Watt was available at 30. So the entire NFL did not think T.J. Watt was going to be Defensive Player of the Year every year in his career. I mean, I like T.J. Watt. I remember he was like a 1-2 grade for me. That's where most people had him. I just don't think that that's a situation this year where it's like, They're going to take, you know, and even that year it was like, yeah, Taco was like a two, three for me. So they did take the worst player, but it's like, I just don't think that people are pointing at that Taco TJ Watt situation and being like, don't do that again. And it's like, well, look, the whole league kind of let TJ Watt get to the end of the first round. So let's not think that they were the only idiots in the room there.
1: Along those lines, Connor, I said this today on the seven five Oh, with Tony Casillas um, people love to say like, well, you can't, you know, properly grade a class until four years, five years in, until the, their rookie contracts are over. And yeah, twenty 2017- seventeen was a disaster right like it was an unmitigated disaster but 2018 like I feel like we don't give that class enough credit um uh, Leighton Van Esch, who I, I think some people gloss that pick up a little bit more than than I personally would uh but Connor Williams I feel like doesn't get enough credit I mean he was a starter for four years I I maintain that like there are a lot of Cowboys fans who only look at the penalties this past season and are like he's trash when that is literally the main hole that we are concerned with filling in the here and now Michael Gallup obviously that fourth round I know that you know things have been said about Dorrance Armstrong and what Steven Jones <laughs> said about him on the radio last week did him no favors, uh, but still got a second contract with the team. So did Dalton Schultz, obviously to the franchise tag variety. And they also landed Cedric Wilson. Like that was four years ago. And that was a pretty solid overall crew. The next year, you know, doesn't look great already uh, in 2019. But Tony, I mean, like, are, are we sometimes too harsh on them? Have they somewhat earned the benefit of the doubt? You are the eternal homer around here
4: yeah I mean like I said what they do well is draft or at least that's what we think they do well and you know they they definitely don't participate in free agency so the homegrown talent has to be productive if we're going to be competitive um so yeah I think you like you said you got to give it some years you got to see how it goes and I think you're absolutely right about Connor Williams I don't think he was all worlds but you know four-year starter a guy who you know we are trying to fill his holes and fill his need there so um yeah, they, they do. They do well with some of these picks. I don't know if they're they hit home runs as much as the, the Cowboys Nation likes to say they do. But at the same time, um, they do draft pretty well. And there are some guys that they can hang their hat on and they're going to need some more of that this year.
1: So, Connor, um, getting back along the lines of like, how could this thing fall apart? I think we all agree based on that exercise that the floor is very high in the first round where it's fallen apart in years past has been the second round in fact the only second round that I think we have felt better about the draft after was 2017 everybody after the taco pick said okay they got Cheeto like okay great like now they're starting to put this thing together but other than that it's kind of been this like okay you start off really strong and then you started off Friday night on a left foot and it just got really weird and really bad so say they go any of the positive directions and we've listed a number of them it could be any of the guards could be one of the wide receivers it could George Karlaftis I mean if they somehow landed Charles Cross even if they traded up but we have, are to presume they have their second round pick what is what is the beginning of the fall that they take that they generally wind up doing what is the classic sort of vintage cowboys risk that they would take and roll the dice on uh, at the beginning of friday night
2: that is a tough question that's just because don't
1: sit around here and throw softballs connor um gosh yeah that's tough um oh. Like, who's because that's I mean, that's and Jerry even mentioned that today because he was asked about he, he actually offered himself that he takes less right. risks now. And he said, you know, when he was asked about the kinds of risks he takes, he said, well, the second round, and we all kill them for that every year. It's right, it's like, why are you, you know, buying lottery tickets with your second round pick? That should be a premium investment, and we've seen it hit. Trayvon Diggs, obviously, two years ago. Kelvin Joseph was an example of a risk, and we'll see how that plays itself out. You mentioned obviously the, the beginning of the press conference today. So who's the who's the risky classic Cowboys second round pick that could happen on
2: Friday night? Sam Williams, even though I like the football player.
1: Said I believe Blue 365 just said.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I like Sam Williams on the field. I think that what he showed in his last year at Ole Miss and what he showed at the Combine and what his tape shows, you go this dude could be an eight to 10 sack, you know, a year player if he puts it together. Um, so, but he's got multiple, I know people don't really know the depth of the off the field issues, but it goes back to high school. He went to junior college because of stuff that happened in high school. So it's not just the, you know, sexual assault stuff that, that was cleared. So he's got more than just that. I think that's an issue. Um, but I mean, it seems like he's matured a lot. I mean, he's got a kid now. He seems to be maturing, you know, on and off the field. Um, but that would probably be the one for me where it's just like, all right, you took a off-the-field, you know, red flag guy last year in Kelvin Joseph, and then you kind of do the same thing again this year. And, I mean, even though I, if, if you had, had zero off-the-field issues, I would be fine with Sam Williams at 56. But with the off-the-field issues involved, it's just kind of tough to add that up, especially Damn. needing – needing, you know, say they go Kenyon green right. in the first round, like passing up on a receiver or passing up on, you know, possibly the best tight end in the class or one of those, you know, another position.
1: Dan, um, we've seen them take different kinds of risks in the second round and they love to kind of feel like, well, we got, we really got multiple first round picks. That's like, everyone remembers the 2015 draft where it's like, well, yeah, Hey, we, we effectively got three first rounders, you know, with Byron, Randy and Lyle Collins in that unique situation. Um, so when you look at injury, um, there's a certain pass rusher out of Michigan who could be an option. There's a certain wide receiver out of Alabama that was suggested by um Kevin uh, in the comment section. John Which Matthew. one? <laughs> well, <laughs> but so like that could be the play, right? I mean, we could it's we could all see the Cowboys taking one of the guards or a tackle or a George Carlaf I guess George Carlaf. No, George Carlaft no, doesn't fit this uh total hypothetical, but taking one of the guards, let's say, and then coming back with that and saying, Well, we really got two first rounders. That's what we believe. Is
3: that not right up their alley? Yeah, they would love to do that. They want to extract value any way they can. To me, I don't. I don't think a Jabu at fifty six. I'm not going to have any issue with that. I mean, that's there's risk there, and you know Jerry talked about availability, but that's a risk. I'm I'm okay. By the with. way,
1: Jerry throwing Randy Gregory's availability like out right now. That was pretty classless. <laughs> yeah, but whatever. You know, go ahead, Dan. Sorry. Uh,
3: to me, I think that I. For, for the first off I think Connor's answer was correct that's the one thing I don't, wouldn't want to have happen in the second round but one thing that worries me that they could try to do is they might start panicking with the wide receiver I don't want them to, I like I like George Pickens but I don't want to give up a two and a three for him uh, I don't want them to take a a third round receiver at 56 you know I like if it's like Khalil Shakur I mean I like, I like him as well but I don't like him at 56 so I, I don't want I could see that being a mistake. Is like they get their guard early, and they're like, "Well, now what? That wide receiver, we gotta do something." And then they turn around and and they they reach or they, you know, trade away, you know, capital or something, and then they panic. That 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 would be that's a mistake. I could I could see them maybe do. Tony,
1: speaking generally, what position results in the? for lack of a better way to put this the like largest volume of dragging of the cowboys like what what position positional reach my offer to you would be wide receiver like to Dan's hypothetical because it would be like you traded away amari cooper you are the one who dug this hole and then you turned around to reach so you went through all this hassle just to pull this off when you could have just kept amari on the roster
4: yeah you said you don't throw softballs but i think that's the easiest question you've asked because they created this need that they have now they have michael gallup coming off an acl Mary Cooper's in Cleveland, going to be cold. So you got you have an issue there, and I think if they reach, I do think there's going to be some combination of interior offensive lineman, wide receiver, and one two. However, they decide to go that way is going to be dictated on the board. But yeah, I think the the wide receiver has the biggest chance to be something that either people love or hate. You know, when that pick gets um, put in.
1: In the spirit of that, um, because it's always fun to like pick at old scars, uh, everyone. You will have to answer this question, Connor, You get it first. If you could right now undo or sort of amend one off-season move for the Cowboys in the lead up to the draft to affect the draft strategy, what would it be?
2: I mean, the probably the Amari Cooper. I think the Lyle. That, so it would it would be, be really,
1: it would be not trading Amari. It wouldn't be making sure Randy Gregory is signed. because like, those are the two kind of primary options.
2: No, I mean the only reason I'm so upset about Randy Gregory is because they, you know, like they moved on from two guys to be able to afford Randy Gregory and then lost Randy Gregory. So, I, you know, if you're keeping Lyle and Amari, I understand having to not pay Randy Gregory sixteen and a half, whatever million dollars a year, and going the cheaper out there when you got guys like Michael Parsons and younger guys you just drafted. But when you move on from two really good players to Free up cap space to pay guys like Randy Gregory, and then you don't do it. That's when it becomes an issue for me.
1: Dan, um, I'm going to allow you to have the same answers. Um, Is it the Amari trade for you, or is it something else? Is it maybe not releasing Lyle Collins?
3: No, I mean uh, it's the Amari trade for me. But uh, but I'm going to give another answer too, just because I want to speak. I want to speak to how little, how little upset that I am about this bridge because I'm not at all. And so I think if the one thing that I would have liked to see them have not done, I would have liked to see them retain Mal- uh, Malik Turner. Uh, I know it's not anything big, but I think that just gives us extra wide receiver depth. That's important. I know he didn't, he didn't cost much, so that's if I'm going to be upset about something, I'm going to pick something really you know small like that.
1: Okay, um, that's fair, uh, Tony. Since you already talked about Amari, let's move on to a different subject. Um, it's a big night Thursday. Um, and I, I touched on this, but um, you'll all have to answer this, and we'll go reverse order. So it'll go Tony, Dan, and then Connor. Your last. Uh, I'm sorry, but this is the biggest moment for the Cowboys since win. I mean, th- this is because a lot. Hangs in the balance here, like like we're we're looking, you know, th- this is a very very large potential butterfly effect moment. This potentially affects the future of Mike McCarthy in Dallas, and and with that, uh, so many other things. Like, and I mean, if if Mike McCarthy is on his way out and Sean Payton's on his way in, then future draft capital is is probably going to be compromised in the name of acquiring Sean Payton, which means you really have to nail this draft. So, I mean, what what this is the most pressure packed you know sequence of time for the Cowboys since win, besides the playoff game a few months ago.
4: I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a tough question to kind of think of it in the history perspective. Well, you have but, to answer or else. Right. So. I'm, tr- I'm trying to get to it. there. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think how they lucked into Dak Prescott. I think with Tony Romo getting hurt and understanding that his demise was on the way out, however people feel about that that was a real, obviously without saying it, that's a pivotal moment in this franchise's history. Um, If Dak Prescott isn't here and doesn't ball out in the preseason, what does the next year or two look like? I mean, Romo's still there, who knows, right? So I think they're in a situation here where, um, like Dan said, it may not affect them this year. They may be competitive this year in a division that is a winnable division, but this is um, effects that could go beyond this year, two years, three years from now. We might be talking about, like you said, Mike McCarthy's not here, um, it it just could look entirely different. I mean, what's the odds that Dan Quinn doesn't get picked again, another round of of you know head coaching vacancies? So uh this team has a real potential, you know, to really look like a different football team for better or worse come after this weekend.
1: Dan, Tony said the words this team, and this team has a general propensity to underwhelm when expectations are high. And and that just speaking generally, right? Like anytime they have a successful season over the last decade or so the next season when they have some sort of expectations, they fold. Now, you can argue that there have been some extenuating circumstances and there have been injuries and things like that, and that's just kind of the luck of the draw sometimes. But so that being said, like, this is a you-have-to-perform-or-else moment, and I think a lot of people are kind of used to the Cowboys letting them down in those sort of situations.
3: Yeah, they are. Uh, I don't I don't see it that way. I mean, I think that – I mean, Jerry even said it too. This is a 500 league. You know, you're just trying to, to do what you can to be on the right side of that and I just think that this is no different. And and I don't. I hate to to under you know kind of make very little of how important this draft is. Of course, all drafts are super important. But I'm not. I don't think it's like a, that big of. I'll go back. It's, it's the biggest moment since the Mari deadline. You know, just trying to you know you know you gotta make a decision on that before you know that that that's that's how I feel about this. It's it is important, but it's it's not the end-all, be-all here, and I just I'm I'm not too worried about it.
1: Connor, am I being dramatic, or am I um, am I like the dude in the movie Deep Impact that saw through his telescope that a meteor was coming to destroy the Earth, and I'm just kind of letting everybody know what's on the way?
2: Have you seen the movie Deep Impact, Connor? No, you have horrible taste in movies, and you dude, always Dude, it me. is
1: better than Armageddon. People think that Armageddon's really great. Deep Impact. Destroys Armageddon. So But you said you'd never seen Elf, so that tells me all I need to know. But yeah, I'm not the mainstream, you know, I basic person that's seen elf. <laughs> Sorry. But okay. Is this a super no, duper
2: important moment? I I mean, yeah, I I get the I get Danny's point of view on it where it's like hey, they can figure it out other ways. It's not like it's make or break. I, I get it, but I mean it's just like they don't have a left guard or a healthy Receiver capable playing those wide receiver two snaps. They don't really have a capable tight, you know, second tight end. They don't have a ton of proven depth at offensive tackle with an offensive tackle that often gets hurt. They don't have a great presence at defensive end unless they're going to play Micah there. And if they do play Micah there, then their linebacker depth is Leighton Vanderesh and Jabril Cox and guys like Francis Bernard who have only been special teams players. And you know, then it comes down to hey, if it's if the corner room is consisting of Trayvon Diggs, Jordan Lewis, Anthony Brown, possibly Kelvin Joseph, and Nation Wright, you stayed healthy on the defensive side of the ball for almost the entire year last year. The odds of that happening again in 2022 aren't as good. So I think you're just risking, you're risking, you're putting all your eggs in one basket, and that's. We're going to stay healthy again we're going to find guys in the draft and we're going to you know improve because of second year development well i would i would add to
1: your point as well connor just to continue making your case you're also banking on being the exception to defensive success in the nfl in in that you will not regress to the mean the way other elite defenses generally do the year after they're elite
2: right and that's that's what i was also getting ready to say before you 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 stole the words out of my my mouth and and made my opinion not sound as cool but <laughs> um, that was my second. That was going to be my final thing. Is it's you don't defense doesn't back to back defensives, You know, great defensive years don't happen. You regress from defense for whatever reason. It just it's hard to replicate defensive success from year to year. We saw with the Chicago Bears a couple years ago when they had the best defense ever, and then. They went into an absolute you know pitfall and, and have struggled since we've seen it we with, saw
1: we saw it with washington a year people yeah. were like a, a one year ago washington's going to repeat his division yeah. champs because that chase young and his whole defense and like and and i think they regressed harder than than most tend to do they went to like the opposite side of the spectrum right. uh but still even if you regress to the mean like this team's not going to get as many takeaways next year and like that is a big part right. of why they had so much success
2: yeah absolutely and, and i mean i just think i think last year you stayed healthy for most of the season you had a just insane year on defense. Your offense has struggled. So I think you could say, well, our offense isn't going to struggle and our defense is going to get better, but I think it's going to end up looking more like, Hey, our offense is going to be more consistent, but our defense is going to regress and where does that land us is probably where I think if I had to review the 22 season, 2022 season on April 26th, 2022, I would say that would be the recap for me is it's the offense played more consistent throughout the entire year. But you saw that natural regression from the defense and you had some injuries that didn't crop up the year before. And that led you to 10 and seven.
1: Um, Tony, I, I like to say that you're the resident homer around here, but but you are actually our chicken little. I mean, like you. It takes a fraction of the sky. I mean, it starts. It just looks like rain, and and you you start putting up boards on the windows, you know, <laughs> pre- preparing for a hurricane sort of thing. So, like hearing that, do, do you suddenly feel like holy crap? This this is a pretty terrifying couple of days that we're about to live.
4: No, I mean, I think Connor hit it on the head. I mean, they they've been telling us that they are draft savvy. They are not free agent bargain. Jumper. So you
1: trust this, this is-, is what you're saying, or you're just like you, no. you just accepted it? Like you're just kind of I you know, accept here. it.
4: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not happy about it. I, I, there are some things I wish they would handle differently, but this is the world we live in now. They need to go out and and make make do of these picks that come in, and make production, and find ways to fill gaps that, in some cases, they've created for themselves.
1: Mm. Dan, to me, it feels like um, I once did. Um, you know those like home services where they send you meals and they give you like all the ingredients and they tell you what to do and you make it. It's supposed to look and taste wonderful. I did that and it sucked. And I had to like add my own sort of things to just get it to be like passable. I kind of feel like the box has just arrived. Like this off season is the box of the plain Jane ingredients. And now we have to figure things out, but they don't have things. They don't have a, a cupboard of super awesome seasonings like I do. You know what I mean? They're just kind of stuck with these are, these are the lemons make lemonade.
3: Have you seen Jerry put salt on you know his uh, breakfast sandwich? I mean, they, That's he's got right. some se- he's got some seasoning. <laughs> so I uh, I think are we all doom and gloom,
1: Dan? Because you yeah, you can be more I, optimistic I, than most.
3: No, I mean I think there's some realism here, but I think a little bit a little bit doom and gloom. I think that I, I agree with Connor that I do. I think the offense is going to improve. So I mean, and I do think the obvious the defense is going to regress. But I really have confidence in Dan Quinn that he'll be able to do good things with a lot of players that will be coming up in a second year under him. And so, I mean, I'm not think I don't think the defense is going to like take a big step backwards.
2: So collectively. Did, I, yep. I was going to ask you, do you think the offense improves from 2021 or do you think it just doesn't have the giant absolute fall off that it had? Cause I think I, it's hard to, I think it's hard to say that this offense could be better Talent wise, than it was in 2021 because you're missing the right tackle, the left guard, the best receiver, in my opinion, and your blocking's older, you know, and all that. Yeah. And your swing no,
3: tackle's if... not as great. Just that's important. Right. You're, I mean. you're absolutely right. I mean, it, from from an individual player's perspective, if you like laid everything out, you're going to see you oh, up. You know, we have more talent than, you know, than what we we'll all have this year. However, the one big piece of that is the guy throwing the ball. And I think a healthier Dak is going to change everything. I have confidence that they're going to be able to fix things on the offensive line. I mean, the way that, that, that Cooper was being used, I have confidence they'll be able to come in there and with the receiving core that they'll have and be able to move the ball. You know? So I'm not worried about the offense. I think as long as Prescott's healthy, that the offense will be better. And uh, I mean, I, a- I, I like Terrence Steele more than the average guy. So I, I just... Uh, Unless they really get hit hard, like Tyron goes down and they suffer lots of injuries, offensive line, I really think that the Cowboys' offense is going to be fine.
1: Nobody asked for my opinion, which hurts. Um, but I I agree with you, Dan. That that okay, like Dak will take care of it, and that's what terrifies me. Um, I think last season, like I think a lot, a lot of the reason why we're a little bit, you know, a lot of people are a little bit shook is last season kind of shook the the like hardcore Dak defenses, right? Like last season really took away a lot of the ability to to like in totality defend Dak Prescott. I don't think anybody thinks he's trash. I don't think anything like that. But but last season proved there, you know, he's not infallible. You know that he's not on the level of say Josh Allen. I know that you love that Tate Connor. Um, but so, but beyond that, this team is like purposefully. Putting everything offensively on his shoulders and purposefully, almost in the same way, putting everything defensively on the shoulders of Micah Parsons. And so it's like, why? Why? I mean, why? Why do that? Like, you don't. You don't have to play football this way, you know. And and if something were to happen, you know, to either one of them, whether injury or regression or just you know general bad performance, you'd be screwed. I mean, just because like you're you're making them the center of your overall structure. I'm mean, Connor. You were nodding.
2: And I, and I'm just worried that. Which, which, like I said, I, I agree with you, Dan. That if Dax healthier from a mental and physical standpoint in twenty twenty two, the chance for that offense to be more consistent and be you know play better than it did in twenty twenty one is available. But I'm worried that that, like what RJ was saying, that you're just doing the Justin Herbert, where it's like, yeah, he did all those things. He carried the offense. Michael Parsons carried the defense, like Joey Bosa, but that was to a nine and eight record or to a because of the amount of pressure and weight that you're putting on the guys' shoulders, it's not taking the next step from 12 and 5 to 14 and 3. It's going, hey, we're an 8 and 8 team. They're going to give us two more wins than we probably should have. And that's my biggest kind of issue with where they're at right now is that I think they got. We'll see what happens after the draft, but right now I think they're a less talented team that stayed really healthy last year for the most part, minus the quarterback dealing with little things that probably impacted his play. But I think that offensive line could look worse throughout the stretch. I'm sure you're going to have injuries on it. You don't have the depth you had. So my issue is, does this team get three or four wins worse because of what they lost and that the pressure on Dak, the health of Dak, the pressure on Micah and him staying healthy could just lead them to still making the playoffs possibly at nine and eight or ten and seven, whatever it is, but not taking the next step that I think the fans and you know we want to see in going from a playoff contender to a Super Bowl contender. All
1: right, let's wrap. Um Tony, you go first, Connor second, Dan third. Um one thing that definitely will happen over the next couple of days, over the next five, whatever, four or five days. Um, you can be as low hanging fruit with this as you want. You can be the loser that says the Cowboys will draft a player. Nobody will respect you, but um, but you can do that. The the rules are wide. So Tony, you're up first.
4: Um, well, they're definitely going to draft some players. That's for sure going to happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. I think I think we're going to find ourselves come Friday. Whoever is here on the blog and the Boys Network, I think there's going to be somebody there Thursday that we're all going to be like standing saying. Oh man, this dude is there. They, this is the guy that we've talked about. You know, whether it be a guard, be a wide receiver. Maybe we didn't expect them to get there, and I think the Cowboys don't make the move. I think they stand pat. I think they just take and just fall on their board. And I think it's going to be a topic or conversation, kind of like, um,
1: kind of like when Derwin James was falling four years ago. We all thought like, oh my gosh, it might like this might break it, and then they just stayed and took Layton Vanderesh.
4: Right. I mean, for me. I think the whole C.D. Lamb, I don't know. I mean, I think in all of Cowboys Nation, when C.D. Lamb was the pick, I think collectively everybody lost their minds. But I think in this situation, something not to that magnitude, but something will happen where, you know, we might sit up a little bit in our chair and the Cowboys just won't pull the trigger on it.
1: Mm. Wow. Respect. So Tony, forecasting. I'm going to let Dan
2: go because he's going third all night.
4: Look at
1: that, Dan. The (laughs) graciousness of Connor Livesey. Oh,
2: what is –
3: I'm trying to think – I don't want to well, Tony this.
1: went negative, so we could use something positive. Because uh, Tony was like, "Yeah, we're all gonna have our hearts broken." Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, maybe you can save us, Dan.
3: I think we're gonna be pleased with a lot of the players that they select. Uh, I and I mentioned this last time. I think they're gonna they're gonna draft they're gonna have more than nine picks. I think that the Cowboys love this draft, and I, I see. I think we're gonna see a, some moving to, to to go after certain players, and it add some draft capital. But I think when we when the dust settles on this, we're going to look at this and we're going to be able to point to a handful of guys that we really feel good about helping them improve this football team.
1: Okay. Connor, uh, Kevin says, we trade back day one and trade Pollard day two. Kevin clearly watched our mock draft on Monday. Um, quickly, before Connor goes, um, look, I'm not advocating trading Tony <laughs> Pollard, but Tony, Dan, just agree or disagree, if you are going to do it this like. Thursday, Friday is the time to do so because he's the Cowboys are probably not resigning him next offseason. I mean, they can't pay a running back, right? Like that, like they just cannot, given the events of the last few years. And so they probably are not going to use him the way that he should be used. Like if, if we are going to accept those seemingly inevitabilities, Tony, is there not a legitimate argument to trading away Tony Pard cashing in now for resources to use in this draft?
4: If that's their mindset, I think which it's it should computer.
1: like. And I, I'm not saying it's a good mindset, but like it's a believable no. one that it's theirs.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's in the opposite. If they if they are presided to the fact they're not going to keep them, they might just drive them to the ground this year. You might be getting all these Debo Samuel type packages and getting the like he's going to touch the ball more than he ever did because after this I year think he that's their
1: problem. Precious that you think that Tony, but. um, <laughs> but so but so do you are you would you be fine with it if they traded him again if, no, if they I, were like we're gonna just it's it's the zeke show feed zeke
4: no i, I like tony pollard i think he can help this team i'm i am not in the business of this team giving away more playmakers so i think that keeping him on this roster is uh, definitely something they should look into doing
3: dan yeah so and i listen to you guys and i i think he had the right answer too. and the, the answer is depends you know it depends on what you can get I think that the important thing to remember is that there may be compensatory value coming from him. So we're in 2024, that the Cowboys, right? The Cowboys themselves may get. So you have to, if you factor that in, do you want a, another year of Pollard? And then plus what you can get it with that pick versus what you're likely to get in this draft. Now, I love, I think there's a, a, a nice list of running backs, fresh four-year rookie contract running backs available in, in like rounds four and five. And I would love to see the Cowboys reload and, you know, if they can, I mean, that would be a good thing, but I'm not, that that value right there is, I'd rather have Pollard. So it would really take really take someone to over overvalue Pollard to make a deal to the Cowboys for me to, to be okay with that. So I'm with Tony, no, I'm keeping Pollard.
1: Connor, basically everyone agrees with me, nobody agrees with anything you said, um, just the facts. Um, so something that will happen over the course of the next four or five days.
2: We will have, we will trade a pick or a player for player. We'll have another player trade throughout the draft where we bring in a Tavon Austin or something like that in the middle. So of the, draft. the player
1: for player trade you're talking about, the last one was not Tavon. They traded a six round pick for Tavon, but the same right. day was Ryan Switzer for Jihad Ward. That was the, right. the trade in question.
2: Yeah, just so like you're saying said, that's it, you're
1: it, saying that's happening this over the next few either days.
2: player for player or pick for a player. They're gonna they're gonna do a draft day trade where they trade a pick or a player for another player. Um, I think that that's a a Robert Quinn. I know some trade pop has popped up with him, so maybe they try to go back to that well because they had some sec- success with it a couple years ago. Um, but I mean, I think that if they you know they pick at 24 and let's just say they go. Kenyon Green, and then by the end of day one, Sky Moore's gone, Traylon Burks is gone, maybe George Pickens goes and they just go, Yikes. I don't think we're gonna have one of those guys that are fifty-six. Maybe they maybe they still take a chance and they trade a six round pick for pick your receiver Nikhil Harry. It. Some something right. like that. Right. Yeah. Right. So that would be my thing, is that I think that there's a new There's a new veteran that's added over the weekend via trade for player, player, or pick for player.
1: Mm, Very interesting. Um, None of these, well, Tony's was depressing. I liked Connors. Um, Dan, I think yours uh, is logical too. Mine, again, nobody asked how rude of all of you. Um, (laughs) Friday morning is full of serious bargaining. Um, among Cowboys Nation, right? There's the, see, this was the plan. Like, I think there are a lot of victory laps taken Friday morning is, is my uh, prediction. A lot of people are like, you guys that said they were so stupid for not participating in free agency, look at them now. And there's all, like, people are saying this is the starting offense or starting offensive line if it's a guard they take or whatever or the starting wide receiver core if they take <laughs> Burks or Olave. Like, And there's a lot of, like, patting on the backs. There's a lot of, like, Metaphorical war room handshakes happening on friday morning uh, among cowboys nation that's me
2: pff puts out the tweet where it's like who's stopping this cowboys offense yeah with like the, the vertical shots yeah. of each guy yeah exactly And it's just james washington and semi <laughs> <Sammy Pahoe. laughs> um wow uh that was uh, pretty
1: depressing, depressing. <laughs> um okay well so you will see and hear all of these guys throughout the week uh, here across the Blog and the Boys network. We will be streaming our draft coverage on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel, on the Blog and the Boys Facebook page, on the Blog and the Boys Twitch channel. We will turn around and podcast our live draft discussions, and then we will have post-day uh, podcast-only episodes that you can listen to on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. Those are available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple devices, Spotify, etc. Uh, you can follow these guys on Twitter. Connor is at Connor NFL Draft. go get his draft guide. Only five bucks, the best $5 you will ever spend. Tony on Twitter at Tony underscore Catalina, the only person who insisted on an underscore in their name that's dumb uh, Danny is on Twitter at Danny Phantom 24 you can read all of them at bloggingtheboys.com always especially this week though and again Connor's draft guide is a must-have uh, for especially for this week anytime the Cowboys or whoever picks a player you can pull it up you can reference it you can learn a little bit I would say a little bit but you can learn a lot about each particular draft prospect and at the very end Connor has uh, has links to every single draft prospects that he has interviewed in fact uh, the YouTube and Twitch audience is not getting this but if you're listening to this as a podcast, Connor, we are tacking on the Luke Tanuda uh, interview that you did uh, to this particular roundtable. Um, was he cool? Did he tell you he loved you?
2: Yeah. He is cool. He's a giant man that plays offensive tackle, so could be a he's going to be a day three pick. I think. I think he'll go in the sixth round more than likely. But either either that or he'll be a seventh round or priority free agent. But a six foot nine, three hundred and twenty five pound offensive tackle that is monster and. If you don't, don't get one of those guys early, maybe get him and try to develop him into a swing tackle or a guy who's got some, some impressive traits.
1: Right on. Uh, my last question before we leave, Dan, uh, who's your MLB team? I know you're a Lakers guy, but who's your MLB team?
2: Giants.
1: Okay, okay. So you San Francisco Giants guy. Tony, you're a Red Sox dude. Uh, Connor, you are a Yankees fan. I'm an Astros fan, and Johnny Boyarn says, last word tonight, Go Rangers Maestros fell to them on Monday night. But, Connor, how does it feel to have the Yankees letter exposed uh, to see the frauds for who they really are?
2: You mean the one that made the Astros look even worse, even though it's mm.
1: So you're not handling it well. That's interesting. That's, no. uh, <laughs> not a shock. I yeah, you know, wouldn't expect anything less. Um, okay, Tony, uh, we're about to leave. The last, I was going to say words belong to you. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had Tom make a random noise. Tony, your command is to make the most random sound that you possibly can. And then we leave. Three, two, one, go.
2: Yeah. I'm pleased to be joined by Virginia Tech offense alignment, Luke Tenuta. Luke, man, how you doing?
0: I'm doing well? How
2: are you? I'm doing great, man. And I, I gotta start it off here. Um, I grew up in Virginia. I grew up in Richmond, Virginia. I know you moved to uh, like the Albemarle County, um, yeah. out, out west. That's uh, pretty close to Charlottesville, pretty close to University of Virginia. Um, what what led you to Virginia Tech? Because I know that that uh those two schools don't like each other, and you are right around the corner from the the hated rival.
0: Yeah, I uh, I graduated from West Almore, which was in Crozet, Virginia. It's probably, I mean, probably ten to fifteen minutes yep. away from UVA, and it's kind of funny because I went to Virginia Tech, and both my parents actually graduated from UVA. My dad played football there, and my mom played basketball there, so it's kind Ooh. of funny I ended up at Virginia Tech.
2: Well, I mean, that, there's got to be a story behind that because obviously the parents hated your guts when you told them where you were gonna go.
0: Not actually not at <laughs> all. So it's actually funny. Uh, my pops actually, he was a defensive coordinator at UVA when Mike London was there. So from right. 2012, 2015. So, and then men, it all came in. And then obviously my pops ended up going to Cincinnati with fickle. So, and then they were, they were, my mom, she went with, with me on all my recruiting trips and so she absolutely loved Virginia tech. She loved Blacksburg, Virginia, you know obviously she played against them, she's playing basketball EVA and she saw how much the city grew and all that stuff. And she absolutely loved Blacksburg. She loved the coaching staff. And so did my pops. He wasn't able to do the visits with me, but he knew about the coaching staff. So they were pretty right. excited when I told him I want to go to Virginia Tech. So there was no uh there was no hatred there. They're they're hokies now. So
2: that that that's good. That's good to hear. You know, I yeah. I, I was curious because like I said, when I saw the hometown. And I know you, you were down South and then moved up this way. So I was like, well, maybe, maybe they didn't have, you know, the big, the big ties to the schools, but knowing that both of your parents went to UVA, it's uh that could be a, that could be, be a uh, awkward dinner at the family, uh awkward dinner at the the, the table sometimes. So, um, yeah. so I know you talk a lot about your dad coaching, you know, at UVA coach, you know, I know he's coached multiple places, being a DB's coach. Um, how, wh- wh- how did you end up playing offensive tackle with the, the DB family ties?
0: Yeah, so I mean, he's obviously been a defensive coach. You know, he's been a coordinator for I don't know how many years? He was a defense coordinator. So, I mean, I played defense all growing up. You know, I was defensive end. You know, I played tight end. I really didn't play the line until I played a few games my senior year. I played offensive line for high school. But I always wanted to play defensive end. I was, I really wanted to, but obviously, got kept getting taller and taller and not as fast. So, kind of got told, hey, you're not going to play – you're not going to play defensive <laughs> <man> or defense line <laughs> at all in college. So, you know, I took it – I swallowed it, and I realized, you know, I took that pill, you know, and uh, it hurt. But, you know, it, it's the best thing for me, and uh, I ended up loving offensive line. But, yeah, I definitely wanted to play defense coming out of high school, but
2: it wasn't in the cards. So you played a lot of defensive end in high school? I did, yeah. It's
0: all how... I really played to
2: in your year. Okay, so how much – Does your experience playing, which again, I know a lot of guys, you know, coming out of high school, big prospects who get drafted, they play multiple positions, they play both sides, but how much playing the position that you go up against nowadays has helped you just from a technical standpoint, from a awareness standpoint of seeing things, seeing moves before they happen and understanding leverage, understanding, you know, hey, if they're doing this step, they're more than likely to take this angle. Just how much of your background of playing defensive end has helped you develop into a, a really good offensive tackle?
0: I'd say a lot, obviously, you know. I mean, playing a lot, like you said, a lot of guys play both ways in high school. But, obviously, it definitely helps when you know different rush angles, you know what they got to do, especially, you know, when you can kind of, you know, they're giving away their moves, you know, different <sighs> – First step, they're all about angles. You know, when they're half a man, you know, you kind of it does definitely help. It obviously helps. My dad was a defense coach, and my oldest my oldest brother was a uh, college football coach. Now he's a head coach in high school. He's a defensive guy too, so it definitely helped growing up with growing up with them and learning. You know, they kind of give stuff away when they're teaching me stuff. So it definitely helped playing it. it. Definitely helped having them around too.
2: For sure, for sure. Um, you have played both sides of the line at Virginia Tech. Played left tackle and right tackle. Talk about that a little bit, because I think NFL fans in particular always just assume that that's an easy transition. You know, whenever the left tackle is getting older, they're like we'll just throw him over to right tackle. And it's not. I mean, we see it all the time in the league that, that the, you know, the footwork, the hand, you know, strikes and all that. It's just it's, you know, left handed guys normally play one side and right handed guys normally play one side. But was there any issues from your standpoint of making that transition from right tackle to left tackle?
0: Oh, uh, not too bad. Obviously, I played right tackle my whole college career to my senior or my redshirt junior, year, my last year here. So I mean it wasn't too bad. Obviously, we had Christian on left tackle for most of my career. So I really I came into college, you know, I redshirted. All I played was right tackle. So I played right tackle the whole time. And then 2020, C D was out for the pit game. So they threw me over to the left. And that was that was a quick adjustment. It was definitely <laughs> different, different stance and everything. Like you said, it's a little it's a little different. But then uh, for 2021, this season, you know, I had all spring ball to get used to being on the left side. So, you know, I could adjust to it and definitely spring ball. It was definitely a transition. You know, it's a little different. You know, your di- feet are different, everything. You know, you're the blind side. So you got to make sure you're protecting the quarterback. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, you can't see him. You can see him coming from the right side, but not the left <laughs> side. But yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a transition. Definitely spring ball definitely helped. And I felt very comfortable, you know, going into the season at it.
2: No doubt. Um, So you, like I said, you, you played both sides of the line. I I wanted to talk one thing, you know, when I'm watching guys on tape, you know, there's a lot of big tackles in this class, six, eight, six, nine, six, seven guys. Is that ever for me, when I'm watching, I look at that and I go, that can be a disadvantage if you don't play with good knee bend and hip flexibility and all that. Is that ever something like, how do you combat playing? Cause again, you're a taller guy. You're going to, you're 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 losing that natural leverage battle just from the height difference but how do you combat that at the the next level
0: well just like you said you know knee bend flexibility is a big thing you know obviously you know my whole most of my college career you know i realized my pad level was very high even in 2020 i kind of realized that and then 2021 my big thing was going to that year was you know better knee bend more flexible the more flexible you are the better uh bend you're going to have me out there. even when you're tired you're going to stay low but like you said, you go against some of those edge rushers, they would have bend the corner like they can. You got, you know, you can't lean. You can't be a right. waist, a knee bender. So that's kind of a big thing. Like, you know, flexibility. I'm still working on my flexibility. That's what I do every day. I have my own stretches They go through. Obviously training, you know, going through the combine process, anything, you know, you work on flexibility, you help your speed. But that's still a thing I do every day is my flexibility is the number one goal right now is staying flexible. You know, staying in shape, obviously, but staying flexible and getting more flexible is really one of the things I've worked on all year.
2: You talked about some of those bendy edge rushers that you know are, are tough to defend. You played a lot of talented edge rushers throughout your career at Virginia Tech. Is there anyone that stands out you know, on top of your head that you can kind of point at and be like, yeah, that guy was a tough 60-minute battle?
0: Uh, I'd say from 2021 this year, I'd say, I mean, he's going to be a very good player. I know he's younger this year, but uh, Isaiah Fowski from Notre Dame – He's a very good edge play. He's going to be really good this year. I know he stayed, but he's going to be a very good player, especially in Freeman's defense. He's going to be very good. And then 2020, yeah, I wanna there's a lot of guys. You know, Boogie Bastion from Wake Forest is a good player. Uh, Jalen Phillips got the better of me in the Miami game in 2020. He's a very good player. But, yeah, those two stood out. Then both the Pitt defensive ends in 2020 are good players. Uh, Patrick Jones and uh, yep. I think it's uh, Weaver is the other one. Yeah, Rashad They're Weaver, very good yeah. Players. Yeah. Very good players. So, yeah, 2020 definitely had a lot of good opponents go up to. It was fun going against them. And this year, I definitely say Falski is the one that stood out to me.
2: For sure. So I know this offseason has been busy for, for everyone. You know, you got the All-Star Games, you got Combines, you got Pro Days, you got all that that whole deal. Um, talk a little bit about just that whole offseason process for you from meeting with teams, talking to teams, working out with teams, just how – I mean, how, how big has that been for you to just to, to reach out, you know, talk to a lot of these coaches and them give you some feedback and be able to kind of go back to the table and say, all right, I, you know, I need to get better at this or they really like the way I do this.
0: Yeah, I thought it was kind of it's, – it's really cool. You know, obviously I did the uh, East-West Shrine game and you do meetings right. there with teams and stuff. I think it was really cool, first off, to get coached by, you know, actual NFL coach. That was really cool. Send a meeting room to them, you know, go over film with them. And I think that was awesome to get really some hands-on experience. And then, like you said, meeting with teams, hearing them talk about your strengths and your weaknesses, stuff you need to work on, stuff they'd like to see you improve on. I think that's really – you know, it's good to get that feedback from them so you can know what you need to work on going into the next level. So, I think it's been a fun experience, honestly.
2: Are there any – I know this, this is a tough question and you don't have to disclose the teams if you don't want to, but if there are any teams that seem to be more interested than the others, I always like asking that question because some people like it's April 7th when we're recording this I'm like, yeah, I feel like the Jaguars are definitely going to draft me because they've worked me out three times. They've had scheduled Zoom interviews. Have you gotten your, your door beaten down by any of these teams in particular yet?
0: Uh, I've had, yeah, I've definitely had a lot of Zooms. Uh. I, I'm not going to guess which team I know with the draft coming up. You you always see guys say, Hey, I'm going to say, I think I'm going here, but then they end up going somewhere completely different. But yeah, I definitely had a lot of zooms and a lot of teams. I definitely think, you know, definitely. If I, 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 def- I'm not going to say which ones, but definitely there are a few I can guess, but you never know. Honestly, the draft process is crazy. You know, one of my best friends, you know, CD Christian Darius, I went through last year. Obviously he was a first round pick, but. Like you said, you just never know where you're gonna end up. Same thing with like Khalil Herbert, on running back for 2020. He went to the Bear. You just never know where you're gonna end up.
2: Yeah. So yeah, you haven't you haven't been tearing up the the Zillow app yet, trying to figure out what, no, what no, neighborhoods no. Are. I mean,
0: That is a, that is a cool app to see all the cool houses. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't been checking any of those.
2: Gotcha, gotcha. Well, cool, man. Uh, you kind of hinted at it a little bit. You know, kind of what the teams are saying. But uh, you know, in a couple of weeks here, we're gonna have to write a scouting report down on you and, and you know, put down some of your strengths, some of the things we want to see you improve on. Um, What are some of the things, you know, if I had to, if you had to get into my shoes and sit down and write that scouting report, what would you say, hey, I do this well, I do this well, I do this well. And then, hey, hey, here's a few things that I want to get better at or I need to work on. I know we call them weaknesses, but just things you want to kind of get better at throughout this process.
0: Yeah, I definitely say some strengths for me is I use my length well. You know, I'm a taller guy, like you said, I use my length well. Uh, My body control for a bigger guy is, it's very, that's one thing I really worked on coming into 2021. You know, staying on your feet, staying fluid, especially in pass bro. uh My footwork is uh, especially for outside. We ran a lot of outside zone uh, footwork for the front side of it's very good. You know, I play well with my hands. Obviously, in pass pro, I need to be more consistent with my hands, make sure they're inside, not shooting them. You know, to the shoulders, being I need to be more control with that. But uh, definitely outside zone, the front side. You know. Very good when it comes to that. And then the backside, my backside cutoffs. So I feel like I, I can reach anyone on the bat, any three technique or even two technique on the side of outside zone since we ran a lot of that in my career here. But, yeah, I definitely saw some of my strengths and uh, my weaknesses is, again, comes back to I play. You know, my pad level is pretty high at some times. It goes back to flexibility. You know, you got to stay low. And uh, I'd say that's probably one of my biggest you know flaws, my pad level. And uh, just, you know, sometimes, like I said, with my hands, you know, just making sure my punch is where it needs to be, you know, not, not not, extending myself too far out, but make sure my punch is in their chest plate and I'm not shooting my hands too far out and letting them get their hands inside of me. But and then another uh, positive to my game is I'm a finisher. You know, I'm going to want to finish you every play. I'm going to make sure I'm going to try to put you on the ground every play. But, yeah, I definitely say those are some of the things you'll see on, you know, scouting reports about
2: me. You, uh, you, you, uh, you gave me a good segue because I was going to get into – You really don't see, I mean, you do see it. Let me take that back. But, you know, you're a big guy and Virginia Tech runs a lot of those outside zone schemes. And and a lot of those big guys you see get drafted into power based running schemes where they can use their big frame, big body, big power to move guys in the running game. But you do a lot of things on the move really well um have you heard feedback from teams where you know hey we we want to see this we want to see you in this scheme or this role or anything like that or they see you as a pretty scheme flexible guy
0: oh I'd say pretty scheme flexible I fit into a decent amount it helped that we ran a lot I think it definitely helped we ran a lot more power this year you know we didn't do completely outside zone we had a more power so I think like you said you know a lot of some guys are you know, they see you in certain schemes because the way you played in college or what you played in in college. So they see you really fitting into those schemes at the next level. But, you know, I definitely said there's some flexibility there when it comes to, you know, an outside zone team or just a straight power, you know, counter team. But uh, definitely some flexibility there. But yeah, like you said, obviously, coaches and scout, they want to see you do as much as you can be as open as you can to different uh, schemes.
2: Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, All right, cool. I'm not going to keep you too much longer. I did want to get into... uh... Some of the stuff you like doing off the field. I know you, you know, football is such a big thing. It's it takes up a lot of time. You're at practice, you're in the film room, you're lifting weights, whatever it is. But outside of those things, what what do you like to do in your free time?
0: Uh, you know, my free time when I'm not in the facility or anything, I some uh, I love the golf. That's a big thing, you know. Both my older brothers golf. Me and my dad love to golf. Uh
2: do you uh, shoot watch?
0: Uh I did break 80 for the first time last summer, so oh. I was pretty excited. I'm usually I'll I'll sit in the mid 80s. Uh, there's some nice courses in Blacksburg we we have around here, Blacksburg and like the Radford area. So a lot of us will go out there and play some scrambles with the guys. So it's pretty fun. But yeah, I did break 80 last summer. So that was, that was pretty exciting. I, I don't know. Hopefully it happens Guess,
2: again. guessing you're a uh, he, he, long range guy. He, oh, yeah. You drive in the greens pretty often.
0: Oh, yeah. Three, three thirty out of the box. I'll be honest, my short game. When I get near 100, I'm. I mean, I'll take my 60 degree and I'll try to sometimes i'll just absolutely skim it it's 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 pretty it's pretty rough out there when i, I get nervous inside 100 i feel like like honestly sometimes i'm around the green i was texas legend. i'll take my putter out there and try to put it on there you
2: I'm go that, I, love, I love bumping and running with the driver when you're 60 yards out
0: ah yeah that'd be, that'd be <laughs> pretty cool to learn how to do that and i always wanted to learn how to hit a stinger that's kind of my one thing because one of my brothers one of my older brothers can actually hit a stinger really well, so that's one thing. But I'd say the other thing I love doing off field, the- I love watching baseball. One of my older brothers is a baseball player, so I <laughs> love watching. I played it my whole life uh, growing up, and then all the way through high school, and uh, yeah, that's probably my other thing I love to do.
2: You played, uh, you played varsity baseball at West wall Yeah,
0: yeah. What there- what
2: year did you graduate in? <laughs>
0: two thousand and I uh, was the spring. Yeah, two thousand
2: eighteen. Okay, he might be. I, I coach a showcase baseball ca- team, which I'm sure the podcast listeners right now are like, we don't care. But, um, <laughs> well, which I,
0: team, did, what team do you go?
2: It's, uh, called the Virginia Spiders. It's one I started up on my own pretty okay about four years ago, but we play in a lot of the perfect game and PBR and all that. But, uh, Joe Burris played at Western Albemarle High School and he actually played baseball at Virginia Tech for a year before he went to Christopher Newport and played.
0: He might have been before me.
2: Yeah, he was probably a little. He's probably what are you? Twenty two, probably twenty
0: three. Yeah, I'm twenty two. Yeah, I'm trying that because I moved. I moved to Western Alamore. I was I was a sophomore in high school when I moved there, so he might have been he might have been a couple years before me before I got there. Well,
2: that's cool. Did did I mean? Did you play? Like, I know travel baseball and all that. Was that something you did? I did. Yeah, I
0: played for my big. I played for the Carolina Cubs, which is a big one out of North Carolina. Yeah, I played for them. Then, uh, you know, obviously played in all those tournaments. You know, you go down there to East Cobb, play the East Cobb yeah. Astros, and the Yankees just get absolutely <laughs> shelled out there. But you know, it happens. It is what it yeah. is. You know, it's like, uh, it's like play, play the national canes, just get absolutely, yeah, it is what it is.
2: Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting how many because you, you kind of correlate like basketball to football or something like that. But it's crazy how many people I've talked to on this show recently that were big into, baseball played showcase baseball played baseball at a high level too because a lot of times you don't correlate football with baseball but it's cool yeah, you don't
0: see a lot of big offensive linemen out there i mean you some first baseman you see out that's why i played first and i was a pitcher but yeah you don't see too many big offensive linemen out there
2: <laughs> yeah yeah that's right that's right but um cool man I, like i said i enjoyed having you on man i know uh being from richmond you know f- being i'm not a I'm not a huge i don't have a uh favorite college football team just because I spend so much time in the draft process I try to leave the bias out of it but um you know follow UVA and Virginia Tech quite a bit so I've been familiar with your game for a while and it's cool to have you on talk some ball and really uh really excited to see where you end up here in a couple weeks I know it's not too too far away you got any plans before uh draft weekend?
0: No really I'm probably just gonna do draft weekend just in Blacksburg obviously have my parents and the family down here Or my parents actually have a house they live here so just have it at my parents' probably house and just have some family, some friends, all the teammates over, hang Play out. some more golf be, before then. Yeah, I will try. Yeah, we have a really nice course, Pete Die River Course in Radford. That's really it's on the river there, so it's really nice. Probably get out there at least a few more times with them.
2: There you go. I think I'm. I'm I think I'm playing for the first time this year uh Saturday. So I'm excited to lose a couple golf clubs and lose a ton of golf balls and. Yeah, just don't hit any pro
0: v runs. Just don't yeah. don't hit. those. yeah, stay with some stay. <laughs> stay away <with> from. <them. laughs> get some tailor-made or something we get ready to yeah,
2: absolutely that's right yeah that's right i gotta gotta go get the, the the used balls from golf galaxy before i before i get out there Well, <laughs> cool man i appreciate the time we were on with luke tenuta the uh, virginia tech uh offensive tackle played both left tackle and right tackle at virginia tech um really interesting uh offensive tackle prospect in a deep offensive tackle class we're excited to have him on uh, draft is just three weeks away, so we will see you guys next week on the Talking the Draft podcast. Thanks, Luke, for joining us. Thank you all for listening. See you then. Appreciate it, man.
0: Oh, yeah, no problem. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, man. Have a good
0: one. You too.